The reading of the Scriptures from Genesis chapter 21, reading verses 22 to 34. Uh, As always, may God give uh, grace and faith both in the reading and in the hearing of His Word, as we have it now in Genesis 21. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity, that as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I will swear. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore that place was called Beersheba, because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I invite you to join me again in the time of prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, we come again to you. We bow our heads. It's an outward sign of humility as we approach the throne of grace and mercy. Uh, We worship you, O God, our creator. And we are thankful to you, O Father, for all of your loving kindness to us, transferring us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son, Jesus, whom we worship as our great Redeemer, and King. We are also thankful to you, O Father, and and thy Son for the gift of the Spirit to us, uh, the life giver, the giver of the new birth, and the one who pours into our hearts the very love of God, and then who guides us in the word and paths of righteousness. Thank you, O Father, for your daily care and giving us what is needful for life and godliness Bless our offerings uh, for the advancement of the kingdom and for the welfare of others in need. Uh, Thank you for the uh, privilege of uh, prayer for the needs of others. Uh, Remember the sick among us. We ask that you would bless all that is being done for their bodily health. Uh, We pray that they may be in good health, that it is well with their souls. We pray for those who for reasons of uh, age or infirmity or illness, are not able to attend now uh, in the fellowship here. 
but they are with us in spirit, and we pray that you would draw near to them in grace and kindness. Bless our homes, our children, our grandchildren. We pray dearly for them, that every one of them would enjoy the full blessings and benefits of saving grace. Uh, protect them and protect us from every danger in this fallen world. Restrain uh, the spread of disease and lawlessness and war. Uh, but protect us all the more from the spiritual dangers that abound, the deception uh, and the wiles of the devil. Bless us as a congregation and individually to be salt and light where you have placed us, uh, to love one another, to bear good witness to the kingdom of heaven and to Christ our Savior. If we are any here disheartened, encourage us. If we are timid, embolden us. Where we are perplexed, guide us and give us peace in all these things, in every circumstance that you have placed us by your good providence. Beyond these uh, public prayers, you know our private needs and concerns. Minister to each of us as you see best for our welfare and your glory. And as the psalmist said, make haste, O God. O Lord, make haste to help us. Now, Father, as your word is firmly fixed forever in the heavens, bless it to us and bless it through your servant Phil. May the word go forth in power and may the spirit open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word and move us to be doers of the word and not hearers only so that we may walk in the commandments of Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Thy will be done. Lord, hear our prayers. One of the great benefits, uh, at least in my own mind, of uh, studying, giving attention to the life of Abraham is the author of the book of Hebrews tells us he was a pilgrim uh, passing through the land. He never really um, owned anything other than a burial plot, um, but he was given title to the land, but he's just passing through it. Good reminder that all of us are uh, pilgrims. Uh, we too have a down payment uh, in the Spirit of God. Uh, that God hasn't completed our redemption uh, yet, but we're simply pilgrims uh, moving towards our eternal home in the heavenlies. Uh, another thing that's very comforting to me uh, in these immediate chapters, we've also learned that when uh, Abraham jeopardizes uh, the covenant promises, uh, God, God protects him. Uh, not unlike... Uh, all of us who sometimes jeopardize our witness, engage in conduct that we ought not to engage in, or whatever the case might be, uh, God still is our protector. And in like manner, we look to God's grace uh, every day to protect and preserve us in this journey. Uh, in the chapter before us, uh, we learn that uh, Abraham's in the land, and God's going to bless him. Uh, this is a key component of the promises to Abraham. He's going to possess the land. He has a son. Uh, much of his life was over travail as to whether he could have a son or not. Uh, but he does because of God's grace. God promised a son, so he's going to have a son, and then he has a son. But this morning, God is going to bless Abraham with a non-aggression treaty, uh, giving him access to the land. 
if you will, a foretaste of the majesty that awaits him. I think of this on occasion when I go to places like Colorado or um, Wyoming, Montana, sometimes great museums. Uh, the beauty of the world is just a foretaste, uh, a poor one at that, of the majesty of heaven. So it's good to recognize we are simply pilgrims. Uh, Abraham is in the southern portion of the land of promise, Philistia. And uh, we know from previous texts that the Canaanites still control the land. They're the owners. Uh, but only temporarily. Uh, there's an implied uh, blessing that Abraham's uh, material property and flocks and herds has increased. And so they need grazing land. Uh, and God's going to act to give Abraham what he needs. Uh, Abimelech, the king, uh, one of the kings of the land, comes with his general, Phicol, and uh, greets Abraham. Very interesting greeting, isn't it? God is with you in all that you do. He says that because uh, of God's dealings with him in a dream. And he knows that God's blessings are with Abraham. Uh, all of the uh, forces of darkness know that we are the sons of God and that God's blessings cannot be denied us. We also know that uh, God seals us uh, from their ability to harm us spiritually. We're going to render payment for the fall of Adam, uh, whether it be through sickness or death or whatever the case might be, but... Uh, Spiritually, nothing can harm us. Background is uh, informed by the previous encounter with uh, Abraham, Abimelech, pardon me, uh, that had a dream, as you know, where uh, God told Abraham, do not touch Sarah. If you do, you're a dead man. And uh, it's always intrigued me that this pagan has a fear of the Lord and uh, recognizes and pleads his case before God that uh, your servants deceived me. Uh, beautiful, another beautiful illustration that even in our fallenness, uh, God is still our protector. Uh, speaks volumes of God's love for Abraham. It speaks God, volumes of God's love for each one of us. Uh, because as Abraham was a son, we too are the sons of God. Probably the real motive of Abimelech uh, coming to Abraham now is uh, he knows that on one occasion Abraham deceived him and he doesn't want to be deceived again. Uh, reminder to me of the great, great text, uh, words of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 21.1, the heart of the king, I might add every king, is in the hand of the Lord. And he turns it however he wants to turn it. So he turns the heart of Abimelech to show favor uh, to Abraham. How can he do that? Well, because he's sovereign over the hearts of every king. Or prime minister or president, whatever the case might be. Because their hearts too are in the hand of the Lord. And our Redeemer is uh, also king uh, who defends us and restrains and conquers all of our enemies. 
You know from the Shorter Catechism, uh, what is the providence of God? The providence of God is His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions, but especially His sons and daughters and all their actions. Great uh, reminder. Uh, as you know, the Puritans refine this. Uh, our Redeemer saves us as our prophet, priest, and king. Uh, we are learning here that our king is the Lord God, and he protects and preserves us, which is exactly uh, what he is redoing uh, to and with Abraham. Uh, and that is key to pilgrims, because we're transiting to eternity. And all along the way, it's as if there's every gauntlet to turn us away or to trick and deceive us or to harm us spiritually. Uh, but God is our king and our protector. He restrains our enemies. Uh, Abimelech has a second motive. He wants reassurance that Abraham will not deceive him again before he gives him access to the land. Look at uh, verse uh, 23. Swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity, but according to the kindness that I've shown you. So what's assurance? Uh, Abraham tricked him once. He doesn't want to be tricked again. Wonderful reminder, by the way, that... Um, the means used by the world in lies and trickery and deception are disallowed, the people of God. They use those means with abandon. They think there is no accountability whatsoever, but it's not true of the church. Uh, our means to advance the faith is love, not deception or trickery. Uh, furthermore, Abimelech knows that God is the protector of the great patriarch. And he also knows woe unto anyone who tries to harm him. And that's important to the pilgrim, is it not? Uh, we need protection to transit uh, to our eternal home. Well, Abraham swears. He perhaps a bit convicted by a pagan, but sometimes pagans uh, convict us. Uh, he takes an oath and binds himself in fulfillment. But before he uh, does that, he, um, he files a legal complaint with the king over water rights that are essential. If you will, Abraham is a rancher. Ranchers need land. They need place to graze. But they need something else. No, they need access to water. Uh, I've heard it said a number of times that some point in the future, great wars will be fought over water, access to water. Wasn't too long ago that the state of Texas sued uh, Oklahoma for access to our water. Uh, they were denied. But again, it's just an illustration how critical access uh, to water is. Uh, in the case of uh, the rancher Abraham, Without water, his flocks and his herds, expanding though they may be, are somewhat useless. And you and I need access to water as well, not just materially, but spiritually. Well, in verses 25 to uh, 32, Abraham is blessed with water rights. Why? 
Why is Abimelech so kind and gracious to him? Because God has turned his heart. Be kind and gracious to him. Why are sometimes pagans kind and gracious to you? Because God turns their hearts. Uh, It's a good reminder to recognize the sovereignty of God. It's also a good reminder to be kind and gracious, uh, to, uh, to leave deception to others, to show kindness to people. Uh, we live in a world, I think, that's uh, bereft of that, but it's the true possession of God's people. Uh, and this, too, is an uh, element of God's uh, grace and blessing Abraham, that God protects him, uh, and now he's going to provide for him. He digs a well. Servants of Abimelech seize the well. Why is that? Because their king owns the land. Abraham really has no right to dig a well. He's an intruder. He's a pilgrim. doesn't own the land. Uh, you, you can't go on someone else's land, dig a well, drill for oil, drill for water, Mine for gold or whatever. Because it doesn't belong to you unless you have those rights. Abraham does not have them. Uh, And so, Abraham recognizes he's there by permission, needs access to water. Uh, And so he brings gifts to the king. He's going to make a contract with them to secure those water rights. He gives him... sheep and cattle to seal the oath. And more specifically, he brings seven lambs and gives them to the king as a a witness that he dug the well and that he has access to the water rights. Simple transaction. Livestock for water rights. They make a covenant for continued access to water rights. Uh, I remind you, very unique language here in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, they make a covenant, but the Hebrew Bible is literally to cut a covenant. So they're going to cut animals. Now, you know the contractual way of the ancient Near East. Men make a covenant. Uh, they cut animals. They lay the two parts of the animals, and they walk down the middle. And the point of the contract is, is if I violate my part of the covenant, you can cut me like we've cut those animals. Uh, great reminder, is it not, of the grace of God? Genesis 15, uh, before Abraham uh, can walk down the aisle, if you will, uh, to seal the covenant of redemption as a son, God puts him to sleep. And only God walks down the middle of the animals, meaning God ratifies and seals and going to make the covenant effective. Great picture, by the way, of the eternal covenant of redemption. Our Savior by Himself sacrifices himself upon the cross to secure our redemption and rights to water and land. Uh, Abraham calls the place Beersheba. It's a word play. It's literally well of seven or well of oaths. Look at uh, verse 32. So they made a covenant Beersheba and Bilmelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham now has, by the grace of God, Grazing for his flocks and herds, access to water. Interesting, is it not? 
God has blessed Abraham in spite of himself. He's engaged, he's just previously engaged in trickery. He did the same thing to Abimelech that he did to Pharaoh, but God continues to bless him. I know uh, all of us are uh, still sinners, but we are still blessed of God. Uh, I don't mean to undermine sin or to open uh, a door to the abuse of it, uh, but it is a beautiful reminder of God's grace. Sometimes we do terrible things, and uh, God doesn't rip up the covenant of redemption. He doesn't blot our names out of the Lamb's book of life because we are his sons. He acts to provide, to protect, and to uh, secure us, even in spite of ourselves. So in response, Abraham, verses 33 to 34, worships God and proclaims his faithfulness. The more we become acquainted with the reality that we truly are sinners, the more we should worship God and proclaim his goodness to us through Jesus Christ. Plants a tree in Beersheba to commemorate the blessings of God. Uh, in the ancient Near East, uh, trees were oftentimes places where idols were worshipped. Abraham plants his own tree so as not to be confused as an idolater. And there, he does something that all of us should do each and every day. He calls upon the name of the Lord. It's a practice that we've uh, looked at the book of Genesis. Uh, Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. Men began to call upon the Lord. Why? Because there was great violence in the land. And the violent men are swarming. They need help. God is their help. Uh, chapter 12, verse 8 calling upon the Lord. Uh, you and I need help each and every day for God to protect and preserve us. And so we call upon the Lord as a response of our faith to Him. Uh, the name that uh, um, Abraham uses is Yahweh, which is generally associated as the covenant name for God. So he's calling upon uh, his Lord who made a covenant with him and ratified it uniquely and singularly and therefore he is special to Abraham the pilgrim. The everlasting God. The Lord, the everlasting God. It's an act of worship. It's also an act of faith, acknowledging that God will do for him in providing protection against the Canaanites that possess the land. It's also a cry for help for safe passage. Again, I remind you, you and I are pilgrims transiting this land, looking for our heavenly home. We need help. Everywhere there's danger, God is our help. And he's our help, and that's the significance of the adjective everlasting. Only an everlasting God can truly help us. I understand that sometimes men help us. Uh, we're to use means. 
lots of means in the faith. Uh, we turn to help from people all the time. Maybe it's a physician. Maybe it's a trusted advisor, an attorney. Maybe it's a friend. But God is everlasting. The best of doctors will someday die. Our closest friends will someday get sick and transit out of this world. But God is everlasting. Never dies. Never gets sick. Never tires. Never wearies of hearing our prayers. The everlasting God is the eternal God who is always faithful. Remember when I was in the army, always hated being officer of the guard. You'd go out sometimes. The winters in Maryland are quite cold. You'd go out to check the guard posts one and two in the morning. You would always find someone asleep. I get that. It's a way of man. Soldiers are like anyone else. They go out to do guard duty and it's one o'clock in the morning and it's dark and it's freezing cold and they fall asleep and they huddle in a place where they can stay out of the wind. It's not what a guard should do, but nonetheless, men and women are men and women. God never falls asleep. Never gets cold. Never needs a cup of hot coffee. The promises and contracts of men wax and wane and come and go, but God does not. He is always on station. Remember the great words of F. Lee Bailey. The defense never rests. Our defense in God never rests. Picked up by the military sometimes. Our defense never rests. Well, God never rests. So he is faithful from beginning to end. This is some of the things that Abraham is teaching us, but it uh, points us to uh, really our Redeemer who uh, uh, promises us land and security and safe transit, who gives us uh, a token of his faithfulness. Let's uh, look at that. Uh, some of the blessings. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to uh, Ephesians 1. God is blessing Abraham materially as he is passing through the land. Uh, when we look at the provisions of our Savior, all of those promises intensify. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, so the promises in Christ affect to us every spiritual blessing. Nothing is withheld. If God were to withhold anything, our salvation would only be temporal and a passing thing. He withholds nothing. Every spiritual blessing. Part of the Christian church today is, says, well, you need to do something else to get the blessings of God in gifts or uh, maybe a measure of wealth or a check from someone. In Christ, we get everything. Nothing is withheld. He withholds nothing from us as His sons. And notice in the heavenly places in Christ where men cannot get at Him. And so our blessings are secure. Uh, some of you, like me, um, perhaps you use a safe or something. Uh, or maybe you have a lockbox 
at a bank where you store uh, special papers or uh, maybe things that you collect that are extremely valuable to you. Um, Christ is that for us. But more importantly, no thief uh, will ever gain access. So that it's a reminder of our security and the surety of our promises in a greater covenantal head. Not Abraham, but Christ our Redeemer. It's interesting that uh, all the way down through verses 11 and 13, the benefits secured for us are named. Election, adoption, redemption, forgiveness, knowledge, and the Spirit. Uh, calls the Spirit our down payment. Abraham had a down payment. It was a burial plot for his wife and his burial plot. Uh, we have a down payment too. It's called the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. In Him you also, having listened to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in Him with the Holy Spirit to promise, who is given as a down payment of our inheritance. What is our inheritance? The heavenly places. To be where Christ is. It's a down payment. Think of it. Abraham had a burial plot. He had title to the land, but not possession. Uh, you and I have a title to eternity, but not possession. We have a down payment in the Holy Spirit. Great promise. Uh, we also have um, a measure of a pledge that was given to Abimelech. Pardon me, to Abraham from Abimelech. You have access to the land and you have water rights. In other words, uh, he's safe to come and go. To graze his flocks and to uh, get water from the well that he dug, even though that he doesn't own the land. You and I get something greater, the Spirit of God, uh, who is our protector. Um, verse 13, sealed in the Spirit, of promise, the Holy Spirit of promise, we were sealed. Uh, it's a reminder that uh, nothing can get at us because the Spirit is our seal, our protector. Uh, the forces of evil will try. Uh, they are unable. They can harm us physically, but not spiritually because we're sealed by the Spirit. And because the Spirit Himself is God, uh, he is a sure and certain, eternal, unique protector. A great picture of this, as you know, in Revelation chapter 7. The same verb is used. Uh, four angels are about to pour out wrath upon the land. I believe that this is occurring now. Not materially, but spiritually. Another angel ascends from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God, and he cries out in a loud voice, Revelation 7-2, to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees till we have sealed the bondservants of our God upon their foreheads. The Spirit of God is our seal. Uh, judgment cannot get at us. Christ buys us out of the judgment in His atonement. Uh, his 
propitiatory work satisfies the wrath of God. He paid the full price of our judgment and we are sealed forever. It's a great, great picture of the benefits that accrue to us uh, in the Spirit of God. I, again, I remind you, the Spirit of God wasn't your seal. You would never trance it to the end. You might have a good start. I grant you that. But the issue is not in starting. As good as that is. The issue is in finishing. Because Christ finished the work of our redemption. Our end point is secure forever. And the Spirit comes and seals us making our transit sure and certain so that none are lost. Could be lost. Can be lost. Because these are the works of the triune God. Very interesting when you think about uh, acts of government and regarding personal property. Uh, as you know, sometimes uh, if the government wants to take your property, they can Imminent domain. We're going to build a highway through here, so we need your farm. Uh, here's a token to purchase it. Now it belongs to us. Imminent domain. Sometimes used improperly in the United States, but nonetheless, governments uh, are what they are. Um, in some countries, I would remind you, mineral rights are perpetually owned by the government. Uh, lots of places, certainly the Middle East, you have a place of land, they discover oil upon it. The mineral rights and the wealth goes to the government, not the landowner. It's a genius of our own system of government. Uh, mineral rights can uh, pass to individuals and pass down to their posterity. Uh, no government can put a lien on our eternal inheritance because they come from heaven, sealed by the great God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Great reminder. Uh, sometimes governments do wickedly. Uh, the government of God cares for its own, uh, grants them safe passage, secures that passage for them, and then protects them all along the way. Furthermore, our present spiritual blessings a reminder of greater things to come, do they not? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. We need to recognize that's not chump change. To be in the presence of God, all the blessings of eternity, in the presence of the effulgence of eternal glory forever and ever, world without end. Nothing ever denied. Everything affirmed. Everything at that point material that can be touched and seen and praised. Present with the Lord. Remind you of the words of the Apostle Paul. Uh, that to be with Christ is gain. Eternal gain. Every gain. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul says, our citizenship is in the heavenlies where no man, no force, no government can get at them. Our citizenship isn't there. 
We can trance it to heaven. I, I occasionally watch uh, this historic, well, it's not historic, present actual event of uh, people trying to smuggle either themselves or things uh, into countries. Uh, and sometimes they are, are caught and their passports are examined. And on occasion, they're proven to be false. Uh, I watched one a couple of weeks ago where a uh, married couple were going on their honeymoon, but they lacked a visa. They were turned away. They paid for the trip. I thought, you got to be kidding me. You better get a better travel agent to tell you you need a visa. Go on your honeymoon and you don't have the proper documentation to go where you want to go, but that's the way of man. We don't need a visa. We have it in Christ and in the Spirit. We are going to heavenly glory. Uh, great reminder, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there shall no longer be any sea. Hey, what's the big deal with the sea? It was a place of danger, a place of chaos. There is no danger to the saints in heaven. Saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready for a bride adorned for her husband. One of the happiest days of a young man's life and a young woman's life is the ratification of their marriage vows. Oftentimes celebrated with great pomp and circumstance, as I believe the case should be, but nonetheless, that's my personal desire in history to celebrate great imagery, great celebration as it should be. We are the bride and Christ is the bridegroom. And so the celebration will last throughout all time. Continual celebration. The happiest times in the life of a pagan are only temporary. You and I get forever in Christ. Never to be ever deluded because of what He did for us. So this is our land promise. Our down payment to Spirit. Remind you, you and I, uh, Abraham had access to the land, had a down payment. You and I also have access to water rights, do we not? As the case might be, we are transiting a thirsty place. We have a down payment. John chapter 7, verse 37 to 39. If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. As the Scriptures have said, from his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. We not only have a down payment of water rights, we become spiritual water uh, to people without the Gospel and who need our divine help in their own spiritual journey to heaven. Rivers of living water, a reference to the Spirit of God. Christ is drawing attention to Himself in water that never runs out. And in water rites that are perpetual. Beginning the fulfillment of the eternal promise of access to water, symbolically speaking, of our presence with God and all that that means 
in the most intense form possible. If you would turn with me to Revelation chapter uh, 21, verse 6. said to me, it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cost. We gain access to those water rights. It cost Abraham important livestock. What's it cost us? Absolutely nothing. Because we had nothing to bring. Christ is our sacrifice without cost. We come to Christ with no form of payment, without any demand whatsoever because we are utterly bankrupt. We secure access to living water without cost. Come to me. Secure eternal water rights without cost. Revelation chapter 22, uh, verses 1 to 3, an expansion on those water rights. And he showed me a river, the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and the Lamb in the midst of the street. And on the either side of the river is the tree of life bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. I believe all that to me is symbolic of our fellowship with God and the Lamb forever. Captured in the imagery of fruit of a tree, perpetual healing, no need for physicians forever. As great as they are in this life, there is no need for them in the eternal estate. Forever. Uh, By the way, these are uh, allusions to um, Isaiah chapter 55 uh, in verse 1. Uh, As you know, the second part of the prophecy of Isaiah is the promise of restoration to the land. The nation was in captivity. They lost the land because of their idolatry. The prophet gives them hope and surety that they will be restored. It's captured imagery. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. They're going to get access back to the land. Restoration promises are sure and certain. Did they pay for it? No. It's given to them free because of the grace of God. The restoration is in Him. He's going to affect it without cost. They transit Babylon back to the land, enriched, because of the grace of God. The intensity is in the book of the Revelation. We can come to Christ, secure access to eternal promises, a well that will never run dry, symbolic of our eternal refreshment and enjoyment of the presence of God and the Lamb and the Spirit forever, world without end. And there shall no longer be any curse. There shall no longer be any danger. There will never ever again be another fall because the Son and the Spirit have sealed 
a perfect transit in their labors. Great reminder of the benefits that accrued to us. Abraham got a lot. Really, it was chump change. You and I get the full-blown measure in reality. And Abraham did too. He was a Christian just like you and I are. He trusted by faith in Jesus Christ as his Redeemer. And like Abraham worshipped God, we should worship God in light of all the benefits that accrue to us. So we traverse this dry and thirsty land sustained by Him, preserved by Him, and kept by Him in His power. And so we worship Him like we do uh, every Sunday morning. And we really should do each and every single day. And we find grace in Him each and every day to preserve us, to keep us always, always reminded that we are pilgrims transiting the land and that this world is not our home. Another invitation that speaks to journey. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost come. The Spirit says, Come to Christ. The church, the bride, we are the bride, say, Come. And faithful hearers call out, say, Come. Probably the direct and immediate uh, interpretation is to uh, professing Christians who are compromising their faith seen repeatedly in five churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. Because they compromise their faith, they're in grave spiritual danger. And uh, the Spirit uh, and the church and faithful hearers are saying, you can come too. Come, secure, without cost. You can bring nothing. Uh, great reminder of faith and repentance and that Christ pays everything. Uh, reminder that they are being invited to restoration, to secure it without any cost whatsoever. And that God's providence and promises will see them to the end. But it's really call that by application can be used to the world. If you're not a Christian, you can come to Christ. Well, Barisox, what can I pay? You can't pay anything. He paid it all. By faith, you trust what He did for you. By faith, you recognize that in His active and passive obedience, He paid it entirely. Uh, he secured, in the language of the author of the book of Hebrews, eternal redemption to his sons of promise. Because without coming, you only have material water. And therefore, you will be thirsty forever. And the land that you transit will be dry and parched and have no promise whatsoever for you. They will be denied for you. So it is an invitation that comes from the Apostle John. Come to Christ. For those of us who have come, what a joy 
to be thankful, to esteem the majesty and the worth of what we have in Him and Him alone.